What is the outlook of the condo market in the Grand River region? Are condos part of the solution to affordable housing? And how can condo boards and managers better serve and improve their corporations? and welcome to the Grand River Condo Procast. We are the Grand River chapter of the Canadian Condominium Institute. This is a show for condominium owners, directors, managers, and professionals who want to learn more about what it takes to live and work while being successful in this world of condominiums. We all know that living and working in the condo industry is fantastic, but it's also hard work and not always easy to navigate. And you as an owner, director, manager or professional may not always know where to turn for answers. Well, you've come to the right place. This podcast will gain you access to industry experts who know the ins and outs of condominiums. You'll also get answers from your peers about how they deal with everyday problems like pets, security issues, legal matters, and more. This podcast will mainly focus on the Waterloo, Kitchener, Guelph, Cambridge, Brantford and surrounding areas as that is where our chapter is located. Each episode will have a different host and a special guest. We have some great episodes in the works and we can't wait to share them with you. Make sure to subscribe for future podcasts. And if you're not a member of CCI Grand River Chapter, make sure to head over to our website at cci-grc.ca to join. Until next time, thanks for listening. Welcome to the Grand River Condo Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping condo owners, directors, managers, and other professionals learn more about the condominium industry. I'm your host, Brad Wells. I'm the president of Wilson Blanchard Management, and I'm currently the vice president of the CCI Grand River Chapter. On today's episode, I'm very pleased to be joined by real estate giant in the Waterloo region and surrounding area, Faisal Suzawali. Faisal has been a real estate broker since 1998, building a hugely successful business specializing in residential sales, investments, and developments. Faisal, the way I was introduced to you, just so you know, uh, the Cambridge Center, I saw your face there when my kids were playing hockey on the wall there, that big advertising you have there. But you've been such a builder in the community, in Cambridge specifically, but in the Waterloo region. And your name is certainly well known. So we really appreciate you taking some time and giving us some insight to the condo industry. Thanks for having me on, Brad. I appreciate it. So just want to highlight one thing about your kind of your intro as well. You've recently published an Amazon best-selling book, The Real Deal, Journey of a Billion-Dollar Real Estate Broker. What was the experience writing a book, and then what's it like when the sales have been going so crazy? So, you know, it's interesting. Um, for many, many years, a lot of people had approached me, a lot of colleagues, a lot of young people, because starting out in this industry back in high school, uh, 1988, I was 18 years old, and sort of just lost, not sure what I was going to do with my life. I had been accepted into university and wasn't really feeling that that's the path I wanted to go. Real estate sort of fell into my lap by mistake. I thought, you know, talking about that journey would be inspirational to young people because, you know, there's so many different ways to achieve your goals in life. And it doesn't have to be, you know, the path that perhaps your parents took or what you're expected to take. And and I wanted to just give people sort of some hope that, you know, you don't have to go that route every time in order to succeed. There are other options. And if you're entrepreneurial and if you have that drive and you have that ambition, then, you know, anything you put your mind to, and if as long as you're passionate about it, love it, you're going to succeed at it. The other part of it was just as a strategies book for investors. 
again, I've been involved in a lot of that type of thing. And I wanted to sort of outline what my strategies have been. And I mean, right or wrong, they've helped me succeed to where I am right now. Um, and lastly, was just strategies and systems for realtors, because again, I, I get approached quite often by uh, fellow realtors asking, hey, can we sit down with you? Can we talk about your systems? And, you know, I'm happy to share. Unfortunately, time is not always on my side. So I thought if I had some sort of a journal or a book or something that I can outline the entire system, and it's extremely transparent, it's all in there. The book started seven, eight years ago, and I had just been writing raw notes and then when COVID hit back in March of 2020, I found myself having a little bit of time, and uh, which I hadn't had in 30 years. So I thought, okay, this is a good time. So I uh, would take off to the cottage Thursday to Sunday and sit down and just write and found a great uh, editor and a publisher in New York who helped uh, structure it all together. And by September of the same year, we had the book published and it hit uh, Amazon's bestseller and it's still... Uh, between top 50 to top 100 on a regular basis. So I'm quite excited about that. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's really cool. And and for those listening, certainly you have the credentials for it. And I was reading your bio. You are ranked number one highest number of homes sold in Canada since 2017 and top selling broker and number two in the world for Remax. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And uh, we're going to get the results beginning of March to see if I can hit the number one spot for the world. Looking forward to that. And uh, it's been a lifelong dream and we'll see where it goes. Well, that's cool. Congratulations on the success. And, and that's why we want to pick your brain a little bit specifically about condominiums for our audience of condo owners and board members that listen to this. And you have a lot of experience with condos as well in developments and obviously in sales, both on the purchasing and selling side. So you're well-versed and not the credentials speak for themselves. So just want to pick your brain a little bit about condos, if that's okay. Sure. So just right now with the outlook of the condo market, obviously we know Bank of Canada didn't raise rates the other day, but we know it's likely coming later on this year. What's the outlook for condominium sales in water and surrounding regions? I think the outlook is great. And we're seeing right now enormous demand, but we have to add the element of immigration and you know hundreds of thousands of people coming into Canada with lots of money and Ontario being a hotspot for immigration, Toronto being the first city that people are attracted to, and then they realize the pricing. So they look at, okay, what's economical? What's within an hour, hour and a half drive of Toronto? And with this whole, you know, work at home environment, the checking into the office, maybe once or twice a week, it has expanded the marketplace so much so that Waterloo region has become probably one of the most desirable places in Canada to live right now, both from a work-life balance, quality of life, amenities, accessibility, access to uh, highways. Um, so, you know, from all aspects, the boxes are checked right now. And we're going to see that demand increase. I don't think we can build condos fast enough in order to keep up with the demand. So regardless of what's happening with the interest rates, look, over the last 30 years or so, I've seen interest rates as high as 15%, and I've never seen them this low. And regardless of what happens, uh, unless they triple, I don't see that slowing down. Because remember, not everyone is looking for financing when they're buying right now. And uh, you've seen that the condo market has just opened up not only to end users, but to an investor market. And we're seeing stock 
exchanges, companies that are now taking money out of the indexes and whatnot, and they're putting it into real estate and billions of dollars are being put into real estate. And they're not looking at buying large buildings. They're looking at buying individual homes, individual units and building a portfolio. And, you know, a lot of companies are doing this right now because where can we get 30, 40% tangible results and assets that are giving those kinds of returns. So, you know, the real estate market generally is booming and the condos have just become very popular more so now than ever, because, you know, eight to 10 years ago, people would leave Milton, Mississauga, Brampton, Oakville, Burlington to come into Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo, because they could find land and have a nice yard and whatnot. Now that that's not happening and we've expanded and we're busting at the seams, the only place to really go is up and going to multi-residential type of and communal type of living. So that's where the condo, so the evolution of the condo is going to be unbelievable. And we're going to see that become dominant in our marketplace. Yeah. And to uh, many of our condo owners, this has been fantastic for them that they've been living in their condo or owning condo units for, for some time, because of course, they've just seen their values go crazy. Let's flip that around to the other side for a moment and talk about people trying to enter the housing market. And housing affordability that we've you know heard so much about and such a you know almost crisis level of, of what we've heard. We also know the supply issues and and that number of immigration and and all those things that you just talked about. So, do you see condos being part of a solution to affordable housing in, in Ontario and Waterloo Region specifically? I see it being probably the only solution, not only from a owner occupancy perspective, but from a tenant perspective. Look, I'm going to go back to where this problem lies. The problem lies in the lag time, in the slowness of the municipalities to issue permits, to get developments. There's tons of land. There's tons of projects. But try getting a return phone call from the municipalities. You know, I'm going to vent a little bit here, but that's the problem. Mm. The problem is the red tape, the bureaucrats, the, the council. It starts, you know, the provincial mandate is there intensification, high density, all of that. The problem is execution. And we're not seeing that execution because it's not efficient. We have inefficient people trying to do their jobs and I'm not coming down on them, but they've got too many levels of approvals that they've got to go through to get things moving along. And, you know, a permit shouldn't take two years. You know, an application shouldn't take six months to get to pre-council. Like there's got to be a more efficient way. And I know the government's trying to throw some money at this thing and try to make more efficiencies, but really, you know, it comes down to like easing up some regulations and there's too much of that not in my backyard attitude as well. Look, no one wants to see a high rise in their backyard. I get that. But if you bought a property or a home backing onto a field, You've got to expect, unless it's conservation, you've got to expect that at some point there's going to be some development. When that development is happening, you can't have it both ways. You can't complain about, oh, you know, our kids are never going to be able to buy a house. Well, your kids are living in the house that you have, and you're trying to stop the development from happening in your backyard that potentially could be a place where your kids could buy a home. So there's, you know, you can't have it all right now. You've got to sort of ease up. And it starts at the municipal level. And unless the municipalities start issuing more permits, allowing more development, and that's where, okay, we understand we don't want to take land away from the townships, North Dumfries, Coastlands, wherever it may be. 
but we have to allow the intensification to occur. We need to have, allow infill sites to occur, industrial land zoning to be converted. You know, there's a lot of um, contaminated sites that are out there. There's regional development credits that are available for those sites. So there's a lot of incentives that are out there, but they've got to be brought to the forefront and allow that development to happen to start easing the inventory issues that we have. I just think of the LRT, right? I think of that great opportunity for intensification along a transportation route that's there and expanding as well. But I mean, you personally have been involved in condo developments and, you know, I've worked with many condo developers as well. And, you know, if you had an idea today to build a a brand new condo building on that LRT line, we're talking like eight, 10 years, you might be out before you have people moving into it. You're, you're absolutely right. It's a, certainly a concern. And if there's a way to speed it up, you know, that's the magic ticket right there, right? So if we can figure out how to, how to get these things moving along, because you're right. I, I read today that last year it was 410,000 immigrants moved into Canada and they're looking to make that higher next year. So we have to figure this out for all those reasons of, of intensification, but even just where are these people going to buy, you know, not only the immigrants, but also those people that are coming from Toronto and replacing where we are now. So it's a difficult problem. So I, I think you're right. I think condos are going to be part of that solution, but there's a lot of pieces involved that need to help us out. I just want to shift gears a little bit because obviously you've been involved in condo developments, but you do a lot of selling, you help a lot of purchasers. So I'm kind of interested on the condo manager and on the condo board side of things. One thing I want to know is what do you think condo board members and managers can do to kind of enhance their property? This is a very competitive market now. We're seeing rate, you know, values increase. People want their community, their building, their townhouse complex, whatever that condo might look like to be attractive in the market. From a sales side of things, looking in, uh, do you have any advice or ideas on, on what managers and board members could look to do? We're seeing a lot more rentals in condo developments because investors have moved in. So there has to be a a certain level of maintenance and maybe some collaboration with tenants to engage with the tenants as opposed to having the landlords sort of, you know, iron fist these tenants and say, hey, you can't do this, you can't do that. Maybe just a little bit more collaboration, maybe an association within the complexes where the tenants can sort of engage as well. I know we've had issues with garbage. We've had issues with all kinds of there's And again, maintenance wise, that's always an ongoing concern that are things being maintained properly? Are people doing things that they shouldn't be doing? That type of thing. So I think there's room for improvement when it comes to that. Look, the managers are doing a good job. They're administrating, they're managing, they're doing the things that they're supposed to do. Landlords, a lot of it, landlords are absentee. So it all kind of falls back onto the management notices. But I think if there's a little bit more communication amongst the tenants and having some some sort of association organization with tenants that can be sort of liaison between the management and the landlord and the tenancy groups, I think that would definitely help improve the quality of some of these um, dwellings as well. That's a really cool point because uh, as a condo manager and we take the condo law, which is provincial legislation, and we learn all those rules and it's all, I can tell you, the law is all about the owners. Yes. So as, a, as a manager on the board, you know, that's the way the legislation is aligned is for all the rules and all the obligations to fall on the unit owner. But yes. you're right. The amount of tenancy now in the condo developments is just increasing, but we haven't as an industry figured out a way to properly address and communicate with that group but it has a huge impact on the health of the community. 
doesn't it? Yeah, there's, there's a great disconnect, right? Like we don't have that direct line of communication with the tenant where, and it doesn't have to be with each tenant. If there was a tenant leader that could say, okay, you know, what are you facing as challenges? We know that in some of these complexes, you know, garbage has become a huge problem. There's an abundance of garbage and there's not enough bins or uh, I forget the name of the... Bullocks, yeah. Bullocks, yes, yes. yes. It's not the capacity issues may not be there. So what are tenants doing? They're just dumping it around the property. Um, They're letting it pile up. It affects the owner's ability to sell that unit as well. So so I think, you know, if there's a little bit more collaboration and discussion and, and connection with tenants, it could go a long way. And, you know, maybe having, you know, even a tenant appreciation uh, day in the summer, just to have that contact. So there's a lot of things, and I know we do this on the commercial side with plazas and whatnot as well, where, where we want to make sure that the tenants are feeling that this is their complex and this is something they take pride in so we want to engage with them well it's a really good way to think about it. i think that gives managers and board members something you know kind of a flip of the thought i've seen this in many condo communities where it's almost us against them it's the owners against yes. the tenants in a way right and we're not changing the trend it's not going to become less renters out there no. so let's figure out a way that we can work better together i think that's uh, that only makes sense yeah the relationship's been very combative right like we've had people calling us saying hey i got ticketed for snow removal well there was a lack of communication. The condo or the management will contact the owners. Owners being absentee didn't contact the tenants and say, right. hey, you know, the snow removal day, uh, you can only park at certain times or, you know, make sure you have your cars. They, of course, get ticketed. And then now we're doing damage control and yeah. we've got all kinds of bad feelings flowing around. Whereas it could all have been maybe avoided by direct contact with the tenants or in, in a forum where, could be a Facebook group or whatever it is where the tenants can have real-time information coming to them. That's a great uh, way to think about it. And I have seen some boards and managers that really have a great plan about that. And, you know, we're seeing more and more technology, whether it's a web platform or an app, uh, you know, where not only owners, but residents, they can all communicate and the manager and the board can communicate to all residents, not just uh, owners. Yeah, there's still certain things about owner obligations, about the budget or condo fees or other things that the tenants don't need. but Many things about living there day to day, that communication level needs to be, you know, involving the people that are living there. I think that's a really good point. So a last question for you, if I will appreciate your time today. As a condo board looking to kind of improve their property or make it kind of stick out as a comparable and really maximize the home values on behalf of the community that they're helping to manage, is there some curb appeal or some improvement or something that comes to mind that the boards could really try to focus on that you think could be a money well spent? You know, I think amenity space within, like, so there are nice little parquettes and whatnot within a lot of the developments. Um, Just providing a space for gathering. A lot of the condos don't allow barbecues to be on, especially the stacked townhomes, to be on the balconies or on the porches and whatnot. So maybe assigning an area where barbecues can be, but also assigning someone that's going to maintain it because it's an amenity space created for those tenants. And again, that's where involving tenants can because otherwise look they're going to do it they're going to sneak in a barbecue and have a little propane tank and cause a fire or something's going to happen so if it could be preemptively taken care of ahead of time here and say look here's your space here's what we're going to do we're going to set it all up we're going to provide the space for you, you guys maintain it 
And it sort of works on a, you know, basis that, you know, if it's not maintained. So that's, I think that would go a long way. Landscaping, of course, you know, just having a nice inviting and manicured spot. Snow removal, you know, especially when you get the large dumps of snow right now, takes up a lot of visitor parking. And I get it, there's costs involved, but I think that has to be built into annual budget to make sure that that snow is being removed off site because it's creating a lot of issues and then accessible parking is becoming a problem as well. And I also think that there's an element of, and you know, a lot of investors and condo developers may not agree with me on this, but I think there's a real need for some affordable housing and mandates to be implemented in developments now, where especially for seniors, that there's got to be some element, call it 10%. And I know a lot of the municipalities have up to 30% that they want, but whether or not that gets passed or whether or not the builder or developer is actually including that. So I think if you have a more inclusive environment and it becomes a little bit more open to that type of thing, and again, it comes right back to not that whole not my backyard attitude, like we've got to create some more spaces where people can come and not feel excluded uh, because they couldn't afford that space. So some of those amenity spaces will certainly go a long way. That, uh, that concept of inclusion is so important, right? And no matter what groups we're talking about, creating a community where everyone's accepted, everyone has a space. I think you're right. I think if you look at complex A and complex B and complex A has the parking spaces are available and there's a little barbecue area and there's maybe a dog run or, you know, whatever those different little things might be, not major budget busters, but things that really help to build that sense of community, it certainly would stand apart from the competing townhouse or complex as well. So the great points, I appreciate that. I really want to thank you for your time today, your insight, obviously all the experience and success you've had really in a lot of it with condo sales and development. So we appreciate you sharing it with our members, with our condo owners and board members and those in the industry. So thanks for your time. My pleasure, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please make sure to leave us a five-star review on your podcast streaming app of choice as it only helps promote the show. We'll be back in two weeks with another amazing episode. So stay tuned. We will see you then.